Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 7 of Sprint Race, the show that speeds through some of the main talking points happening in Formula 1. My name is Emma Ridgeway, thank you very much for tuning in. Today I'm going to talk about Portimao and the race, but I'm also going to tie in the newly announced sprint qualifying because there's been a lot of talk over it and I think it's fair to say a lot of scepticism too. So right off the bat, I want to say that I really like the idea of sprint qualifying. And no, it isn't just because this show is called Sprint Race, although obviously I'm a fan of the name. No, it's because I really enjoy sprint races in Formula 2. What I love about it is that it offers up a completely different strategy to what we see in the feature race and allows Formula 2 teams to try alternative tactics and it ultimately mixes up the end results. The best example I can give is that without sprint races in Formula 2, Mick Schumacher would never have won the title. Instead, the winner would have been Yuki Tsunoda, and that's even without pole position bonus points. During Formula 2 sprint races last year, Tsunoda had a really tough time, winning one race but failing to score points eight times, whereas Mick Schumacher had a relatively balanced haul of points over both types of races, which meant that he won the title. The benefit of this variety comes by providing an alternative to long races which are full of tyre management, which ultimately discourages overtaking. In Formula 1, it should hopefully encourage overtaking, as this will be the only way to gain track position, rather than a reliance on pit stops to do the over or undercut. I know it's not as simple as just saying, oh well now they can overtake, but if we remember Charles Leclerc in Bahrain in 2017, His Formula 2 win during the sprint race was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen in a racing car. And if there's even a chance of that, I'm willing to give it a try. Plus, the idea of experimentation should always come at a time where things are a little bit uncertain anyway. We don't even know how many races there will be this year. In the last week alone, we've had Canada cancelled and replaced with Turkey, who themselves have just recorded another increase in COVID-19 cases. So I really appreciate the timing of this experiment and the aspiration to try something new, given all the ambiguity that we're facing right now. What wasn't ambiguous, though, was the end results for the race in Portimao. In fact, I was talking to another Formula One fan who missed most of the race yesterday. And when they asked me who won, I said as a joke, why don't you guess? knowing full and well that they had no idea of the final order, and they managed to guess nearly all of the top 10. And that was because if I asked you before the season started to write down the order in which you thought drivers would finish based on their skills and their car, then this race is where it would have matched the most. Hamilton winning, Verstappen next, Bottas, Perez, Leclerc, Ocon, Alonso, Ricardo, Gasly. Maybe Ocon was the only surprise in that top 10 but otherwise it was a very anticipated ending. There were some exciting overtakes during the race and even Hamilton was caught napping after the safety car restart and lost position to Verstappen before hitting back later. But the fact that everyone, including commentators and drivers alike, kept talking about the wind reminded me of how British people like myself like to talk about the weather when there isn't much else to say. In the end, most of the top four, except for Lewis, decided that their time was better spent vying for the fastest lap over position, which I think sums up the race altogether. I think part of what went wrong was that the Algarve International Circuit, where the race took place, actually changed their layout this year. 
reducing the DRS zone on the main straight by 120 meters in favor of adding a second one after turn 14. In hindsight, this was a bad call, as it meant overtaking on the main straight was even more difficult. With overtaking now significantly harder, only the start and the safety car restarts and the pit stops allowed for changes of position. Now, weekends like this could do with a shakeup. Not a shakeup like a track adjustment, which ultimately reduces the ability to overtake, but one that could potentially mix up the running order altogether. Which brings me back to sprint qualifying and the opportunity that it provides us. Unlike what I've read online, I don't believe that sprint qualifying will only benefit the big teams like Mercedes and Red Bull. And this is why. We've seen from Formula 2 that sprint races have the ability to provide variety and alternative endings, with last year's Formula 2 championship having more winners from outside the top three than inside. This gives the Formula 1 midfield, including the likes of Ferrari and McLaren, who are just outside current podium positions right now, a real opportunity to get ahead. Another reason I don't think it will only benefit the top teams is the lack of practice that it provides. We've seen it from every race this season so far that Hamilton, Verstappen and Bottas have needed all three practice sessions to become comfortable with their cars. Just last weekend, we saw Hamilton struggling with his car setup in FP1. Therefore, racing after just one day in the car instead of two leaves room for potential mistakes from all the drivers. Mistakes have already shown up in abundance this year, and there's now likely to be even more of them. There's also the argument of how top teams with their continuous development will approach sprint qualifying weekends. The replacement of practice two and three could mean that top teams opt against bringing big upgrades as they'll have even less time to test these big changes on track. The risk for smaller teams is smaller and therefore I think they are more likely to take a gamble on a sprint qualifying weekend as the normal flow is interrupted. Last year, the Mercedes continuously improved their car to the point at which no one was even close to them halfway through the season. Anything that could level the playing field even just a little bit is a good thing, and these little nuances could add up and give us a slightly different starting grid to what we're used to now. And finally, I don't think it will hamper the best drivers from winning races or even titles. We've already seen Lewis Hamilton's ability this year to win from circumstances of disadvantage, and we love his performances even more when he has to fight for the win, and I think he does too. Top drivers will perform regardless, and the increased chances of competition are what everyone is after. So skepticism is fair, and I think we do need to see it in action. I do, however, think that we could be looking back at sprint qualifying weekends in a few months' time and at the small subtleties in how teams approach the race, ultimately having a butterfly effect. And after the last race turned out to be the antithesis of surprise. Are we really happy just keeping it the same? That is all for this week. Next up, we have the second half of our first double header of the season in Barcelona. Now, of course, we never actually made it to the race in Barcelona last year due to COVID, but traditionally it's set to be a race similar to what we've just experienced in Portugal. Hopefully we will get some close action, but we may have to wait until Monica qualifying in a few weeks time. If you don't already follow me on Twitter or TikTok, I am at Sprint Race Show. Please get in touch and let me know what you think of sprint qualifying. Until then, thank you very much and see you next time.